Well, we're going to talk about plans today. Have you got all your uh, Christmas planning done? Have you implemented your Christmas planning? So um, so I want to talk about planning, and uh, it can be kind of generic planning, but uh, Christmas makes such a great illustration. That's probably the place we should start, So um, because because we do have plans at Christmas. Um, we've got plans for people to come visit. We've got maybe our own travel plans. We've got uh, plans to, to visit people but not stay too long. Um, there's all kinds of plans we make during Christmas. And um, I want to talk about plans because, um, in light of Christmas because it helps us to... Uh, to get our head wrapped around planning. Um, uh, imagine, imagine if you have a plan and something goes wrong. Something suddenly uh, changes the situation and now you realize your plans are in jeopardy. Imagine, for example, suppose there's somebody who's difficult to shop for, but um, you've... <laughs> yeah, hard to imagine. <laughs> But um, but you have figured something out, and you know it's like inspiration struck. You know the the clouds parted, the beam of light came down, and you knew exactly what to get, and you went and you got it, and the store had it, which was amazing, and it was the right right size, and everything was perfect, and so you bought it, and you wrapped it, and it's under the tree now, and then something comes up. They say something, or the situation changes, and now you're going, oh my goodness, maybe that's not the right present after all. Your plans are. Up in the air, and that's the situation I want you to to kind of contemplate as we as we look at this story, because that's the situation that was going on with Joseph. He had plans. We don't know exactly what those plans are. Joseph never speaks, and the 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 two places in the New Testament where he's he's uh, mentioned in the biography of Luke, uh, the biography that Luke wrote about Jesus, and the biography that Matthew wrote, uh, uh, Joseph does some things, but he's got a very brief appearance in both of them, and he never says uh, what he's thinking. So, so we can we can guess though what his plans were. His plans was to get married. Um, that that was what he was planning. And and you know what what does that mean specifically? We don't know. We just have to kind of fill in the blanks. We assume he wanted he wanted to settle down with somebody. He maybe he wanted to have a family. Maybe it's a big family. Maybe it's a small family. Um, but he wanted he wanted the things that people normally want when they get married. People get married for a reason. And um, in in that culture, maybe there were reasons that wouldn't occur to us naturally. Maybe part of the idea was this would be an alliance between two different families, and they they get closer and so forth. But but. You know, we, we can, we can imagine a reasonable set of plans that Joseph had, uh, that the marriage was going to, to further. But, um, but everything has changed. Um, we read, we read this. Um, this is how the, the, Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. So we, we get that part. That's, that's a plan. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break off the engagement quietly. Now, um, she's pregnant. And the, the one thing that Joseph knows is that it wasn't him. Uh, he didn't get the memo back in Luke 2, uh, where, where, or Luke 1, where the angel appears to Mary and says, Mary, here's what's going to happen. He didn't get the memo when, um, God, God spoke to, uh, uh, Zechariah and told Zechariah he was going to be a father. Um, but, but Joseph didn't get a memo like that. Joseph has been working in the dark and now suddenly he finds out Mary's pregnant. And the one thing he knows, the one piece of information he has is he knows who the father is not. And it's him. And so, so he says, well, okay, I guess I will just 
cancel my plans. He said, it says, it says, um, he decided to break the engagement quietly. But it's worth noticing, noticing there, uh, what it says about him. It says Joseph was a righteous man. Joseph was a righteous man who decided to break the engagement quietly. And it's probably worth pausing there for a minute. This is not really my point today, but it's worth pausing to remind us as, as believers that, um, that righteousness is not about exposing other people's sins. That if you're wondering, you know, can I be a righteous person if I let that sin go unremarked? If I, if I see somebody misbehaving or doing something wrong and I don't comment on it and make sure everybody knows that that happened, then yes, the answer is yes, you can be righteous. And Joseph is our example. Joseph, um, had every reason to believe that Mary had, had uh, been sinful, but he chose before he knew anything about angels, before he did anything, he said, righteousness does not consist in exposing other people's sins. So I don't have anybody in mind, and if I was, if I did, then that would be exactly the kind of thing I'm saying don't do. So um, so I'm not saying that to any person. I'm just saying, you know, keep that in mind. As um, as you uh, live and, and work as a Christian in the world, uh, Christianity sometimes gets a bad rap because people never got that message. So, so uh, righteousness is not about exposing other people's sins. So Joseph decides not to do that, um, but but um, the reason, but but he has decided to change his plans. His his plan was to get married, and now he's decided not to get married um, because his plans are upset. He was planning to marry Mary and probably have a family and so forth, but uh, his plans are now up in the air. But if he's got plans that are up in the air, so does God. And God's plans are a lot bigger. Um, Joseph, you know, I don't know how long Joseph and Mary have known each other. Maybe they went to school together. You know, we, we literally don't know anything about Joseph and Mary except what the New Testament tells us. But they could have, maybe they grew up in the same, you know, down the block from each other and, and they've known each other their whole lives. But that's 10, 15, 20 years. It's not a long time. God has been working on a plan for th- over a thousand years. Um, the verse right before our reading says this. It says, all those listed above, and there's um, 16 verses of genealogy, which I spared you um, reading today. Um, all those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. So, for 42 generations, God has been maneuvering things. God has been getting his, his cosmic chessboard set up exactly right. And so if Joseph's plans are in disarray, how much more are God's? If Joseph decides to break the engagement quietly, everything that God has done is up in the air. So our second point, and this is probably true of anything you can imagine, um, God has more at risk in that situation than you do. You know, if you think, you know, what will I do? Oh, my goodness. You know, pause and think. Maybe this is something that God has been working on for a long time to get set up. And maybe um, that'll help you see God as an ally. So God has more at risk than you do. So let's suppose we're in this situation. We're, we're, um, we're watching from a side. Uh, we know, we know everything the narrators told us this much. So we know what's been going on. We know that God has set this thing up for 42 generations, over a thousand years. And let's suppose God turned to you and said, what should I do? Do you have any advice for me? What advice would you give God at this point? 
Well, my, my first question was, I wonder if there's an alternative. If he's going to break it off, I wonder if there's somebody else who could fill the bill. I mean, after all, Jesus is not his son, right? I mean, he's kind of replaceable in that sense. It doesn't have to be um, Joseph, but but it's got to be related to to, um, to King David. So... Um, so I was thinking, well, maybe there's somebody else. In the book of Esther, uh, Mordecai tells Queen, Queen um, uh, Esther this. He says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief from the Jews will arise from some other place. Perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. So, so we see elsewhere in, in the scriptures, we see places where God can work through, through situations. And, and Mordecai tells us, hey, if it's not going to be you, it'll be somebody and God will work it out. You know, you cannot stymie God, but I don't know where that other person might be. And that's the problem when we try to imagine who else might might uh, fit the bill in, in place of uh, Joseph because he's a descendant of David. Now, it's been 500 years since the last king in the, in the Davidic line, so there's probably lots of descendants uh, running around, but how many of them uh, know Mary? How many live in the same village as Mary? You know, it, it's probably a pretty small list of, of possible suitors. Um, so, so we can speculate and say, well, maybe there's somebody who could, who could work or not. But, um, but God, God isn't ready to give up on, on Joseph yet. So God's not ready to give up. And so he sends an angel. So as he, as Joseph is considering this, he wants to marry Mary, but he thinks now he can't. So he's, he's decided to break it off quietly. And while he's considering this, the Lord, uh, the, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. So what do you suppose the angel said to him? Well, we heard, but suppose you hadn't heard. Uh, my, my thought was this, is that the angel would basically mess with his mind. The angel would change his thinking. So this is a scene, some of us have seen this movie. Um, some of us are going to go see another Star Wars movie later today. Um, so um, maybe that's why it occurred to me. Uh, in, in the very first Star Wars movie back in 1977, there's a scene where uh, where the stormtroopers, the guys in the white, uh, are looking for some, some uh, droids, some robots. And the, uh, Alec Guinness's character, Obi-Wan, says, these aren't the droids you're looking for. And he waves his hand. He does some Jedi mind trickery. And the stormtrooper says, these aren't the droids we're looking for. Move along. And so, so maybe that's what we think. You know, God would just kind of give, give Joseph a little tweak. You know, there's a little knob in Joseph's head and God could just turn it from seven to four or something like that. And now he's okay. And he'll go ahead and carry out his plan. Maybe that's what we think God would do. Or maybe we think what the angel is going to do is kind of puff out his chest and say, do you know who I work for? Maybe this is the place we go to, right? Is we think the angel's going to make Joseph an offer that he can't refuse. Joseph, if you know what's good for you, you know, just saying. But that's not what the angel says. What does the angel say? The angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Angels always say that. Angels always tell people, don't be afraid. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's uh, worth pausing again to, to notice. Why do angels always say, don't be afraid? The reason angels always say, don't be afraid, is because they want to be like Jesus. Because Jesus says, don't be afraid. If we read through the New Testament, we see over and over and over again, Jesus is always telling his followers, don't be afraid. There's one place where he tells his followers, what is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? He's saying, 
I don't even know what you would do with five sparrows, but suppose you had some use you wanted to put five sparrows to. Apparently, it only cost two cents in those days to get five sparrows. He says, people do not value sparrows very much, but God does. God values sparrows a lot. God doesn't forget a single one of them. And then he says this. He says, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Angels tell us not to be afraid because Jesus tells us not to be afraid. He says, he says, God does not hate you. Regardless what the circumstances of your life would tell you. You know, you say, well, there's only got to be one explanation for why things could be going so badly. It's because I'm being judged. Or maybe it's something other people are telling you. They're telling you, well, the reason is because you're just like your mother. You know, everybody can see you're destined to be this way. You are going to be this way. And God is letting that work out in your life. But that's not what we see in the scriptures. Over and over again, we see Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God does not hate you. God is not judging you. If God really wanted you to be miserable, if God wanted your life to go to pot, all he'd have to do is say, there you go. Have fun. Because if you're like me, you are one dumb decision away from wrecking your life. And if it's not your dumb decision, it's somebody you know. There's somebody in your circle who can make one dumb decision and wreck your life. If God wanted to punish you, if God wanted to hurt you, if God hated you, all he'd have to do is make some popcorn and watch. But Christmas is proof that God does not hate us. God came God got involved. God got his hands dirty because he doesn't hate us. He wants a relationship with us. So, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to what? Well, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid to do what you were planning to do. I know things look different now. And you're thinking your plans won't work. But I'm here to tell you, Joseph. Actually, I'm not here. I'm in a vision. But in the vision, I'm here to tell you that you can stick with the original plan. You can, you can do what you know is right. You can carry on according to your original plan. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now, um, we read... As the, as the readers, we get a little bit of extra information. Matthew tells us in a moment, he says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He refers us to uh, the prophecy uh, that Isaiah had, had uttered 700 years earlier. He says, he says, this is, this event here is what Isaiah was getting at. It's the deeper meaning of the thing that Isaiah was talking about 700 years ago. He says, this is what God has been up to. Now, I don't know if the angel says any more than we get in the, the scripture, but all we get is he says, don't be afraid. But what we know is this, that doing right won't interfere with God's plans. If we do what we know is right, it will not interfere with God's plans. It may be exactly what God is hoping for us to do because it's something that God said in place 700 years earlier. But we know one thing. If you do what is right, you won't interfere with God's plans. So he says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do the thing that you know is right. 
if you do what is right, that will align with the, the, the purposes of God. Because God is at work in the world. God is not standing off to one side just watching and someday he'll return. God is at work in the world right now. God is bringing grace and mercy and truth and light and justice into the world. And when you do what is right, you are aligned with what God is doing. So, doing right won't interfere with God's plans. And the angel continues, For the child was within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, what, what the angel said to do is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to carry on with your original plan. Don't be afraid to go on and do the thing you were always planning to do. That's the instruction from the angel. This is all FYI. This is, I'll just pass this on to you. He says, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He says, by the way, um, I don't know why you didn't get the message six months ago or however long ago it was. Um, I don't know why you were excluded uh, from this foreknowledge, but you were, and now I'm filling you in. This uh, child is from God. It's conceived by the Holy Spirit, and it will be a he. Um, she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. So the angel gives him some extra information he didn't have and really didn't need. God may choose to give you insight that you don't need. But you don't have to understand what God is doing. You don't have to understand 42 generations of of maneuvering that God has put in place. You don't have to see all the pieces and how they all fit together. All you have to do is do what's right. Just go ahead and continue on with what is right. Jesus told his disciples once, he says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Jesus says, I want you to, to see what God is doing. I want you to appreciate it the way I do. I want you to, to watch and marvel as the things that God is doing are unfolding in the world around you. So he says, he says, you're not a slave. You're not just, you know, carrying out orders. But I will tell you these things. And, and they are, they are FYI. They are, they are to help you appreciate what's going on. But you don't have to, you don't have to understand. You don't have to understand all the, the intricacies of everything that God is doing. Just do what's right. Don't be afraid to do what's right. So that's what the angel says. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And Joseph does. Uh, we don't know how, how, we don't know a lot about Joseph, honestly. We don't, we don't know how long he lived. Um, he, he disappears from the New Testament um, in about 12 years. The last time we see Joseph is when Jesus is about 12 years old. And there's some traditions that say, say Joseph died soon after, that Joseph did not live to see Jesus as, as, a, as an adult. Um, and, and we don't know if those traditions are true or not. They're not, they're not told to us in the, in the New Testament. But we know however long it was that Joseph lived, whether it was a couple more years or whether it was, you know, to a ripe old age, the one thing we know is Joseph didn't have regrets about being forced into making a decision that he didn't want to make. That he didn't have to say, you know, I had always hoped that I would do this, but then I had to do something else. Instead, God says, no, you can go ahead and do the thing you want to do. Go ahead and marry Mary. So Joseph didn't have to regret the thing that God 
was inviting him to continue doing. The thing that he knew in his heart was right. So Joseph woke up and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. Joseph did what was right. Now, notice it doesn't say Joseph did what was easy or what was convenient or what was pleasurable. I mean, it says right here, he did not have sexual relationships, uh, relations with her until her son was born. So Joseph put that on hold. Um, some traditions say for the rest of his life. Other traditions say until, like the, like the New Testament says, until her son was born. So Joseph, we know Joseph didn't get everything that he was originally hoping for. But he was able to do the thing that he wanted to do. He didn't say, he, he, he was not backed into a place where he had to say, look, I want to do this, but I guess I'm going to have to settle for this. I'm going to have to do this other thing, even though it's not what I want to do. Joseph was able to do the thing that he wanted to do. And this is, this is what Christianity is really all about. That, that some people have a vision of the will of God, that it is like a tightrope over a deep abyss. And as you're, as you're walking your way through your life on this tightrope, periodically God just kind of whacks the cable to make it bounce. And good luck not falling over. But that's a bad image of the will of God. The will of God, God Jesus tells us, is a broad pasture. And that when we go into Him, when we go into the gate that is Jesus, and He, he has put us in a broad space where we can have an abundant life. 400 years after Joseph, the, um, the theologian named Augustine, um, our Saint Augustine, he said it this way. He said, love and do what you will. He says, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of God or of people. He said, love God, love the people around you. Love and then do what you will. That that is the essence for him of Christianity. So Joseph... Mary is Mary, Mary has a baby, and they have a child. I think the biggest problem we have in following Jesus is we have a nagging fear that God is going to swindle us. That if we do the things that God is inviting us to do, that God will shortchange us. That if we ask God for a fish, he will give us a snake. If we ask God for an egg, he will give us a rock. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know why people think that way. You know, I, I read stories of the saints and martyrs. And, you know, when I read a story about a martyr, I think I could not do that. I could not do the thing that they did. I don't have faith strong enough to to face the the, the lions or whatever it is they're having to deal with. And, and I, I don't know. I, I can't put myself in that place. But when I read the New Testament, I don't see people who are asked to give up something because, because it's better than what they wind up receiving. I see the opposite. I see people asked to give up one thing in order to have the deepest longing of their heart. If you think about the, the, the story of uh, Peter, Peter is a fisherman, and Jesus says, I'm going to raise your fishing game a couple of notches. You're not going to be fishing for fish anymore. You're going to be fishing for people. He says, I will satisfy the longing of your heart. Abraham wants a child. The Lord says to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. 
Abraham wants one. He gets countless children. Moses tries to tries to free the people of uh, the, the Hebrews from their bondage under Pharaoh. And it's a flop. It's a failure. He has to flee for his life, and he spends decades hiding from Pharaoh. But one day God encounters him at the burning bush and says, the thing you want most, the thing you tried to do on your own, that's what you're going to do. He says, go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. The Apostle Paul says, I had to give up some things. It's true. In order to get where I am now, in order to be who I am now, there were things I had to give up, but I count them all as worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ my Lord. God is not going to ask you to give up something good in order to get something less good. Oh, oh the last point, sorry. Um, God uses people who want most what God wants. If we think of the stories, Moses, Peter, all those, God uses the people who want most what God wants. God invites you to pursue what is right, to pursue what your heart knows is right, and to not be afraid. And he will give you the deepest longing of your heart. So so my question for you as we conclude is this, what is the deepest longing of your heart? What is it you want most? And what is telling you, yeah, but you can't have it? You know, if you did the, if you did that, then, then you couldn't do this other thing, or, or, you know, people would judge you, or it would look silly. Because the lesson of Joseph is if you follow what your heart tells you is right, you don't have to be afraid. So, what is the deepest longing of your heart? What is it that wakes you up at night? What is it that makes it difficult to sleep? What is that nagging feeling you can't get away from? What is the thing where you say, I know what the right thing to do is, but I'm afraid? Because the lesson of Joseph is, don't be afraid. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lesson of Joseph and the courage he showed. Help us to look at our own lives and look at our own world and consider the things that that we know are right and the things that that we feel are expedient and then give us the courage to do what we know is right help us to know that if we if we pursue what is right you will lead us into that broad space of your will where we can we can have what we what we what we believe is right and at the same time be working in alignment with your purposes we pray this all through Christ our lord amen